All right, raise your hand one more time. If you've ever, uh, if you've never heard me preach, this is your first time to hear me preach. Oh, <laughs> buckle up, folks. Here we go. <laughs> um, so I am Grant Wortman. I'm Rachel's um, uh, husband. I was trying to think better half, but that's not, that's not what I wanted to say. She's the better half. Um, and she does a majority of the preaching uh, these days, but I, I love to preach every so often. So today I'm going to wrap up the core values, the five core values that we've been talking on the last two weeks. We're going to finish it up today. So let's take a look here at the core values. Before we do, Father, we just submit this morning. We're asking that your heart and your words would flow this morning in a powerful way. Everything that you want to happen this morning, we say yes and amen. Every word from my mouth, let it be straight from your heart, in Jesus' name. So, we've got the five values up on the screen. Rachel talked the first week on the fact that his presence is everything. Can you say that with me? His presence is everything. And basically what that means is... His presence is everything. We are wasting our time if his presence doesn't show up. If, if we can't encounter him, if we can't meet with him, with the living God who speaks and who shows up and who heals and who breaks through, if we can't have that, then forget it, man. And we're wasting our time. His presence is all that matters in our life, and that's what we're going for. So that's the first and maybe the most important value of our church is that we are here for him, to meet with him. And I'm reminded of whenever Moses was getting sent out, the Lord was like, I'm done with you guys. Get out there. You're going to have plenty of provision, but go. And Moses says, no, God. If you don't come with me, I'm not going. Amen? And that's our heart. Like, God, we don't care where we go or what we do. If you're not there in our midst, we don't care. We're not going anywhere else. So where you go, that's where we will be. That's one of our first <clears throat> values. And I think it's a great, if you imagine a stack of books, we put a bookend on one side. I think that's the perfect bookend on one side. The second one, Brandon preached about these next two last week. He said, we do what we say and we are family. So we do what we say. What that means is that we are authentic. We are honest. We are true to our word. And we need you guys to do the same. You to be true to our word. Not just us up here, but the body of believers in this house. We do what we say. So if you say, I love Jesus, then we want you to love Jesus. Amen? If you say, I love the word of God, then we want you to read the word of God and know what it says and fall in love with the word of God. If you say, oh yeah, God heals, then we want you engaged in seeing God heal people. If, if you get it, do what you say. That's what we're going for. The third one is we are family. This is so important because the entire kingdom of God is family. It's like the whole point of everything. The whole reason Jesus came was to bring you into God's family. God's like, I've got the most amazing family, come with me. And all of life is pointing people towards coming into the family of God. God wants you there at the table with him, enjoying him, being fed by him, listening to him, having a real relationship with him like a family. And he wants you not just with him, but with the rest of his kids as well as a part of the family, which is one of the reasons you're here this morning, because you're obeying the word of the Lord by meeting together as a body of believers 
and becoming family. And maybe some of you don't want to be in the room today. And I hear that. And sometimes I don't want to be in the room, but I do what I say and I obey what the Lord says. And he says, be a part of family. So by golly, I'm going to get myself into family. Amen? If you want to be more a part of family, come join these groups that Brandon was just talking about just now. What an amazing opportunity to build deep family is to be a part of those. And then today I get to wrap it up with the last two. So number four is we have fun. And number five is we don't quit. All right? So say, we have fun. What in the world is that uh, doing on the list? You're like, Grant, this is church. And at church, we are serious. We're real serious up in here. And you need to pray hard and get on your knees and get that callus on your knees. We don't have no fun on this church, okay? But you're wrong because God is a God of fun. He loves to have fun. It's who his character is. It's who his nature is. If you've been around for Bethel, or around this church for any period of time, very likely you have experienced some sort of fun. Just a few weeks ago, we are doing all these goofy, goofy games before church, before worship. Like, what are we doing? Why are we having youth group games before worship? Because it's fun. Because it makes you laugh. And because the family of God is fun. If you've been around a full year cycle, then you've experienced a Vision Sunday where it's like confetti on bananas and going crazy. And we're all excited about like, yay, here's what God's doing. Uh, you've experienced the Passover feast where we line up this huge table and we just enjoy the food together and celebrate the Lord. You've experienced the Easter blowout where we had ridiculous amounts of confetti that will not go away and we're going to be with for the rest of our lives next door in the kids' room and they will be in this room soon. You've experienced Mother's Day. You've experienced Father's Day. I think we had a bacon suit. We had a person in a bacon suit. Did we actually do it? Two years ago. A person in a baking suit, a bacon suit at church. Like, what? But it's because family is fun and God's heart is fun and that's what we want. Summer fun. We do constant stuff throughout the summer. We capped it off by the end of the year by renting the pool party, or renting Early Wine Pool. Who was there with us that day? Awesome. Super fun. And then we had our um, Bethel Christmas party at Segways at church and inflatables. Like, what? This is fun stuff. Christmas, volunteer parties, countless games, snacks. Why? Because it's the heart and the character and the nature of God. Because God is fun. Did you know in the Bible, don't put it up yet. Ah, too late. 97, at least 97 parties communicated about in the Bible. And Jesus, in the Gospels, it talks about at least 44 parties. You're like, Jesus, you only did ministry for three years. How many parties is that a year? That's like 14 a year, at least, right? Jesus was constantly at a party. But it's who God created his culture to be. Like, Jesus was the party monster. Like, Obviously, he turned water into wine. Like, he walks in the door, and everybody's like, oh, Jesus is here. Let's start the party. Because he's a fun guy, and that's who God is. One of Jesus' most powerful invitational messages about the kingdom of God, about the heart of God, was fully centered around a party. Where it's like, come on, guys. There's a wedding feast. Go, go out and invite all my friends. And the friends are like, ah, I got to get my hair cut. I'm a little busy. Can't make it right now. And so they come back and they tell the master. And the master's like, 
This party is going to be the most insane party of all time. We need to get everybody in the doors. So go find everybody else. Go invite the whole city. And they run out. They rush out. They invite the city. They come back. And it's still not full. And so the master says, go find anybody living and get them in that room because it's going to be amazing. That's God's heart for his family and for his family to enjoy him together. Amen? Another one of Jesus' most powerful messages was about the parable of the prodigal son who spoiled his dad's inheritance and he went off and he ended up in the ditch and then he comes back and as soon as he comes back, what does God teach us about the father heart? That he loves to party with his children and invite them into the family when we come back into him. God is a partying God. It's, it's in his character. It is who he is. He has instilled it throughout all of the generations of the Hebrews and of the Jews. I'm going to guarantee if, well, I don't know if I can guarantee, but I would like to bet if you go to Israel in the next five years, I don't care when and I don't care for how long, but I'll bet you $20 that when you go on your trip, at some point on your trip, the whole stinking country is going to shut down for a party because God said to we were there uh, just for 10 days, 14 days, something like that. And it seemed like every time we went anywhere, the whole place shut down again for another party. And they're like, oh, sorry, our tour guide can't make it this time because he's partying again because God said to party. It's who God is, okay? So that's why we invest so much time and energy in having fun as a family. Because I believe that as we invest in having fun together, we build deeper, lifelong relationships in the family of God, in the kingdom of God. And that's how, how, how God is. Rachel, the other night, a couple nights ago, she was uh, on Instagram. And she was like, Grant, oh my gosh, look at this. And she pulls up this video. And it's of this kid that is having his bar mitzvah. So he's 13 years old. Is his name Johnny? Johnny. Guys, the most insane party you've ever seen in your whole life. Like, mind-boggling, must have cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it was for his bar mitzvah. Why? Because God instilled in his people that having parties in the family of God is extremely important. And it'll change your life. Amen? All right, so that's why we party. The second part of having fun is that... You personally, we want you to understand that God is a fun God. So, yes, you can do that by coming to events. But also in your personal relationship with the Father, we want you to find the character of God that he's a fun person. Okay? If you don't feel like you believe that God's a fun person, I want to challenge you to stop this whole week and ask him questions. Ask him to tell you jokes. Tell him jokes. Tell him things that you think are funny. Get into his mind because he is hysterical. He's a hilarious person. If you will press into that side of it, he wants to reveal that to you. And oftentimes, laughter is the best medicine. So oftentimes, if you're in a painful, difficult place and you're pressing into God, sometimes he will use humor to bring healing and life into your soul. But if you don't believe that that's who he is, if you think that God is only in this one box that is the serious box, and we'll put God over here in this box, well, he's going to get up and leave that box real quick. <laughs> and you're going to have to find him in a different box, which sometimes is the fun box. Amen? So I want to challenge you. Find God as a fun person. All right, next is our fifth and final value, which is we don't quit. Say it with me. We don't quit. Hmm. The whole sermon's about we don't quit. So cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. 
Thanks for coming today, guys. Y'all have an awesome day. It's been great to see you. I won't settle. <laughs> okay, well, you know, like the heart's the same. Quit, settle. Somebody look it up. You'll find the same words in there. Okay, so we don't settle. I can do this. We don't settle. <laughs> He's a fun God. We'll just blame God on that one. <laughs> we don't settle. I love this. It's the same idea. It's going to work fine. Don't worry. Just pray for me. Um, it's going to work fine. We don't settle because... Um, <laughs> okay, close your eyes. Enough of this nonsense. I want you to visualize a bulldog. I want you to visualize a bulldog fighting a bull. Visualize a bulldog fighting a bull. We don't settle. I think this is, this is equally, well, it's not equally, but I think it's an incredibly powerful part of God's heart. You have the bookend that says his presence is everything, family is in the middle, and then we're not going to settle for things that aren't the fullness of God. Jesus came to pay for you to have abundant life, John 10.10. 10. To have abundant life, to have it to the full. So if you settle consistently, you're going to drop the ball and not enjoy the abundant life that Jesus paid for you. If I were to visualize this in my mind, I would picture the picture of the bulldog with the bull. And I always knew that bulldogs would fight bulls, but I never knew the story. Does anybody know the story of where in the world this came from? Anybody? I am now the smartest man in the room. Thank you very much. We'll go to the next point. <laughs> no, this came from uh, the late 1700s, early 1800s. And this is really interesting. The farmers in England, they would have these bulls. And sometimes the bulls would get unruly and they couldn't get them to calm down and they would just cause a big giant mess, like bull in a china shop type thing. And so they found that some, some breeds of dogs were brave enough to fight the bull into submission. And they began to go through different types of breeds of dogs. And they found that if the dog could bite down on the bull's nose, it was painful enough to the bull that eventually the bull would settle down and would get pinned to the ground so that the farmer could come along and get the bull back into submission back where it belonged. And they found, though, that many dogs were dying because they were too big. Uh, because the bull is constantly, you know, getting down low, trying to hit the animal out of the way, maybe goring the animal or throwing it across the, the yard. So they found that the smaller the dog, the shorter the dog, the better chance it had at surviving this fight. And they found that some of the breeds of the dogs had this thing inside of them that was vicious and powerful. And when they got into a fight, they would not stop. They just wouldn't let go. And specifically for the bulldog, the bulldog had a snout that was, his jaw was wide. And so it allowed him to have a real big bite and to bite that bull. And it had a tremendous force in its jaw to clamp down, kind of like a crocodile or an alligator, and just not let go. And so no matter how wild the bull got, no matter how angry the bull got, this bulldog would clamp down and not let go until it was dead or the bull was on the ground. And so they found the bulldog was the perfect uh, animal, which is why they named it bulldog, for this scenario. And then, as men do, they would take the bull into town to the butcher shop, and they'd be walking downtown, and they're thinking, man, my bulldog's pretty awesome. He's a, he's a pretty cool dog. And the bull would get unruly, and he'd sick him on the bull, and they'd have this fight. This group of people would gather around, and the man would think, hey, 
I can make a name for myself. Yeah, look at my bulldog. <laughs> and then they started having competitions in the city square where they would bring a vicious bull and the most vicious bulldogs in town and all the farmers would line up with their vicious bulldogs and sick the bulldogs on the bull to see who had the mightiest and the strongest bulldog around. And it became a sport and the whole town would come around to enjoy and to bet and all this stuff terribly brutal, vicious, bloody, awful, and it got outlawed in the 1830s because the government was like, this is gross. <laughs> Stop it, everybody. But that's where it came from. Excuse me, I'm just spitting everywhere. So <laughs> that's where it came from is this bulldog. And to me, this value of we don't settle, it is the bulldog in, in essence. This idea that in the spirit realm, we have the ability to look at whatever burden or whatever mountain or whatever enemy or whatever obstacle is there and to go after it and to fight and to latch down and to hang on for dear life. Either this thing's coming down or I'm going to die, but one or the two are going to happen. And if you look at all of your heroes of the faith, you're going to find that every single one of them was like a bulldog in the spirit. Okay? I love that imagery of the bulldog. Because the Lord loves to greatly reward those who don't quit, who don't settle. Hebrews 11.6 I love this scripture. I think it's fascinating. But it, it says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Two parts. Do you want to please God? Let me hear it. Do you want to please God? If you want to please God, you have to believe that he exists and equally so, you have to believe that he will reward you when you diligently seek him. If you don't believe that God wants to reward you for pursuing him, you are never going to please God. Is that what it says? You have to believe that he loves to reward those who diligently pursue him. So let's look at a few of these words in the Greek. This word rewarder in the Greek, it means somebody who pays a wage. It is a rewarder. It comes from the root word, which means to give away, to repay, to give recompense, to render, to restore, to reward, or to yield something. Okay? So the rewarder is basically the guy who pays the bills. He's going to pay it out. So imagine God is the one who's writing the checks as, as a laborer comes to him, says, hey, I did this labor, God rewards him. He's the one who pays it out. That's the idea of this word rewarder. The second word in there is diligently. In the Greek, this word diligently, it's actually a whole phrase. And the phrase is of them that diligently, okay? The whole concept here. In King James, it's translated two times as the word require, so when you read diligently, those that, those that diligently seek God, you can substitute it sometimes with those that require of God. Okay? Two times it's translated require. Two times it's translated as seek. So those who seek God, it's one time diligently, 
one time to seek carefully, and one time to inquire. So God loves to reward those who require of him. God loves to reward those who seek after him. God loves to reward those who seek carefully after him. God loves to reward those who inquire of him. You with me? It's the concept of this word. So it means to search out, to investigate, to crave, to demand, to require, or to seek after carefully. Diligently in the English dictionary, it means having or showing care in your work, being constant in effort to accomplish something, being persistent in doing something painstaking. So get this, the Bible says that you won't make God happy until you crave You search out, you investigate him and his ways, and then you go and demand that he rewards you for doing so. Isn't that crazy? The Bible says you will not make God happy until you crave after him. You search out and you investigate him and his ways. And after doing so, then you have to go to him and you demand that the Lord reward you for doing what he told you to do. Okay? Now, if you are somebody who settles, there's a good chance you're never going to please the Lord. If you're somebody who quits when it gets tough, fair chance you're going to quit before you start demanding that the Lord rewards you. That sounds audacious. I think it sounds absurd. I think it sounds like, whoa. (laughs) And if it wasn't so clearly written in the scriptures, I would push back for sure. But the Bible is extremely clear about this stance. Hebrews 4.16, that's why it tells us, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. King James says to enter boldly. A few years ago, we did a series about going in boldly and bravely before the Lord. That's what God wants you to do, to be confident and to go into his presence, to meet with him so that you can get the grace that you need to move forward. Matthew 7, 7 through 11, Jesus tells us that we should seek He says that we should ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. He says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everybody who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. But if you look into the scriptures deeper, those words are not a one-time ask. It really means the one who asks and then asks and then asks and then asks, and then again, and 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 then it will be open to you. The one who seeks, and continues to seek, and continues to seek, and continues to seek, and continues over and over and over and over, and you seek and seek and seek, and then it's opened up for you. And the one who knocks, you don't knock once in the kingdom of God. God wants you to knock And then knock and then keep knocking and don't stop knocking. Keep knocking until finally the door opens up. That is his character. That's how he set this up. So if you are one who settles and you do this and you stop, your door has not opened for you. Your reward is still on the other side of the door. Jesus expresses it again in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. 
he talks about this parable of the persistent widow. And he says, this lady, she had injustice done to her. She was wronged. And she goes to the wicked judge. And she says, judge, please, please. Injustice has been done. I need you to serve justice to me. And this wicked judge brushes her off. He's too busy for her. He goes on about, her day, about his day. But the next day, he's walking to, jo- to his work. And she comes out again. Judge, please stop. Listen, I know you're busy. Just give me a second. Injustice has been done. Lady, get out of my way. And he moves her aside. And then the next day, she shows up again. Sir, please, please. And he pushes her aside, and she grabs his leg. And she says, no, sir, injustice has been done. You are the giver of justice. Give me justice. And he kicks her off and he moves on. The next day, she comes back. And the Bible says, Jesus himself says, that wicked judge ends up giving her justice because she just wouldn't quit. And then he says, how much more so does your Father in heaven love to give good gifts to those who ask? And keep asking, 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 keep asking, and 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 then the breakthrough comes. Amen. So I think this is a prized value in the heart of God. I think that His most favorite children are the ones who don't settle. And yes, you're all His favorite, but. His most favorite are the ones who don't settle. And I really do believe if you think in your mind, who are your spiritual heroes? I'm not a betting man. I've never bet in my life. But I'll bet you again. (laughs) Every single one of your spiritual heroes is who they are because they asked and they asked, and they asked, and they asked, and they just kept seeking, and they just kept seeking, and it was hard, and it wasn't working, and they wanted to quit, and they wanted to settle, and they wanted to say, oh, good enough. I saw five healings. Good enough. That'll do. Let's move on with life. But they didn't. They didn't settle. They didn't stop. They didn't quit. They kept pushing, and pushing, and pushing, and pushing, and pushing, and then the breakthrough came, and that's what we see on their life, and we think, oh my gosh, the dead being raised, thousands of churches being planted. This is amazing. But it's because of their sacrifice and their bulldog determination not to give up whenever things got hard, not to settle for just okay, but to press in for what they knew that God was capable of doing in their life. And that's why they are heroes in our minds. That's why Hebrews 11 lists out person after person after person of heroes in the kingdom of God because they just didn't give up. Amen. So this church was put on the earth to accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. And we recognize it's not going to come easily. And if we settle, then we forfeit. And the enemy would love nothing more than for this body to say, you know what, church is good enough. You know what, we have enough level of his presence. You know what, we've seen enough healings for the year, that's fine. But we are called to not settle, to press in hard and to never quit until he shows up and he does what we know he's capable of. In some ways, it's like the the coin game. You go to Chuck E. Cheese or I don't know if you go to a casino. I don't know if they have them there. But you know the little coin game where there's this huge pile of coins right on the edge of falling off? And sometimes there's a big stack right there just on the edge. 
let's pretend that there's a gold bar just right on the edge. It's about to fall off, and the little machine just goes back and forth, and you put a coin in. Most people put three or four coins in. It moves a couple things just a tiny bit, but nothing happens. They walk away. We are called to be the people who have a limitless supply of coins, and we just stick it in the machine until that thing is so full that the riches come falling out. There's this game called Thin Ice. Raise your hand if you ever played this game. Uh, yeah, I see you. I see, I see you. Anybody else? Okay, I see you. This is a great game when I was a kid. Thin ice, you take a tissue paper, and you put it on the ring on the top, and then you take these marbles, and if you really want it to be hard, you get the marble a little bit wet, and you pick up the tongs, and you put the marble on, and if it falls through, you lose. Whoever makes it fall through, they lose. But in the kingdom of God, it's opposite. I believe that if we were to go into the heavenlies right now, this will get pretty weird, but if you could close your eyes and we could go walk around the outskirts of the world in the heavenlies, I genuinely believe as we walked around in the heavenlies, you would see piles of riches across the whole globe. You would, you would walk up in this beautiful field and all of a sudden there's a pile of eyeballs and you're like, what the heck? <laughs> like, what is this? And you have to look at the angel and they explain to you, oh, you know, somebody was pressing in but they, they didn't press in long enough. And then you go over to the next one and there's a, there's a pile of riches and there's a pile of arms and there's body parts for healing and all these crazy things, piles of things, inheritances in the kingdom of God. And every time somebody would press in, to add another one onto the pile, that layer between heaven and earth got thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner. But for those people who pressed in and then quit, and the Lord's like, don't quit now. You're one drop away from this breakthrough coming down onto the earth. To me, that's the idea of we don't settle. In your personal life, in us as a church, we believe that the Lord is responding to every single prayer every heart cry, every desire that we're putting out there and we're asking for his help, he is responding every single time. And many times it feels like nothing happens because God is storing up this pile in the heavenlies and he's hoping that you will hang in there long enough for that breakthrough to come so that you can experience it on the earth. But we have to be people who don't settle if we're ever going to enjoy that type of blessing on the earth. And that's why if we don't quit, we win. If we don't settle, we win. It's really what it comes down to. You're called to not settle. What are the things in your life that you have settled on? Obviously, don't share those here or now, but I would love for you to think this through. Lord, open my heart. I'm an open book. Show me what are the things in the kingdom of God that I've settled on. What are the things you put inside of me and I was going after and there's still a pile of blessings waiting to break through, but I walked away. And I have good news. Your pile is still there. It's waiting for you to go back to it and to begin pressing in again to the point of breakthrough. So let's just recap the five values one more time. His presence is everything to us. We are a people who do what we say. We're authentic and genuine. 
and we truly do the things that we say. We are family because we're a part of God's family and he's commanded us to be family here on the earth. And so we will commit to be family together, whether it's the perfect fit or not, we are family. We're gonna have fun because God is fun and life is freaking hard. <laughs> so we need to have fun together. And number five, we don't settle. Because that's how the kingdom of God is set up, for us to press in and to not quit and to not settle. So this is a, a declaration of who this house is. But this is also an invitation for you. If you call this house your home, or if you're feeling like the Lord's pulling you in, we need you, genuinely, we need you to embrace these values and to link arms with us to see this household established the way that the Father has laid it out for us to be established. We need you to embrace his presence. When we worship together, we need you to not just come and spectate, but to pour out your praises to him and to draw his presence in. We need you to do what you say. And if you say you love the Lord, then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we need you to love the Lord genuinely with all of your life. If you're a part of this family, we need you to build deeper family relationships in this house. And sometimes that's not easy. I get it. We're busy. Things happen. Sometimes you get frustrated with people and it's just easier not to. Yes, I know. It's much easier not to. But that's not what God called us to do. It's not what he called you to do. If this is where the Lord's calling you, we need you to invest in to family and to let those relationships go deep. We need you to come and have fun and to smile and to laugh and to enjoy God together and his presence together. And lastly, we need you to never, ever, ever settle and not to ever let us settle too. Amen? So if you can, just stand up with me. Just put your hands out like you're receiving a beach ball. Father, we just thank you for who this house is. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the values of this house. We thank you for the prophetic words that you've given to this house. We thank you for all the things that you're going to do in this place. And we just receive from you the ability to never settle. We receive from you the ability to have fun. We receive from you the ability to build deep, deep family relationships. We receive from you the ability to do what we say. We receive from you the hunger to press in and believe that your presence is everything. Lord, would you supernaturally unite our spirits in this house, in this body, unite our spirits together so that this house could be everything that you said it would be, everything that you proclaimed that it would be, everything that you dream of, this house being in this area, we say yes and amen. Help us to accomplish your ways on the earth. And we surrender to you, Father. We're just so thankful for you. And just specifically, we look at those things that we settled on for every single person, any place in their life where they settled and they gave up and they let go and they walked away because it was too hard. And we speak to those things to wake up the desires, the hunger, the craving. We prophesy the ability to be bulldogs in the spirit of the Lord 
to be bulldogs in the spirit of the Lord, to never quit, to never give up, to never settle, to hang on for dear life as long as it takes for the breakthrough to come crashing down from heaven to the earth. We proclaim it in the name of Jesus over every single person in Jesus' name. And we speak to those, those mountains of blessings to come to life again. And Father, we ask for clarity of exactly how to move forward, the strategy to move forward, to see your breakthrough come in those areas in Jesus' name. We release it this morning in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen, amen, amen.